0: Hi, and welcome to Heartfelt Consciousness with my vinyasa practice. My name is Michelle Young, and today I'll be interviewing Lori Nimitz, a world-renowned anatomist, yoga teacher, and dissector. Lori just released a book, The Myofascial System in Form and Movement, and Lori has been honored and privileged to work on many dissection projects, including the Plastinization Project in Germany. Today, we'll talk to Lori about her experience and journey with yoga, as well as her work as an anatomist and dissector. And we'll learn a little bit more about her book and her upcoming lab with Leslie Kimenhoff in Colorado Springs. Let's meet Lori. Hi, and welcome to uh, My Vinyasa Practices Heartfelt Consciousness Podcast. Today we have Lori Nimitz with us, and we are thrilled to have her on because we will be spending some quality time with Lori uh, here in a couple of months at uh, the Cadaver Lab. Lori and Leslie Kaminoff and Lydia Mann uh, host a Cadaver Lab, and we went last year and we're just blown away, so we're super excited to uh, do it another another time. Lori, Welcome.
1: Thank you so much. So happy to see you and be here with your community. Absolutely. Absolutely. So
0: Lori, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about how you got into yoga.
1: Okay. Yeah, that goes way back. Um, I actually, undergrad was art history, French major, but always was a mover and everything else when I went into grad school, which was the early nineties, I go way back (laughs) and, um, I went for dance movement therapy. I still hold my licensing in dance movement therapy. And at the time, as, as you know, too, there wasn't as much um, wide, widespread yoga practice. It was a, a definitely some fabulous teachers all around. And it was around the time of grad school, I really took my deep dive into yoga. And it just, it felt like home. It always had that um, space for me. And, you know, I became president of the Yoga Teachers Association East Coast for a while, um, all sorts of other things. But I took a really deep dive around that time of graduate school. So that, that's how I kind of, you know, dipped my feet into it and have been part of the yoga world ever since.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, it is, it's just such a vast and like expansive world, right? There's so many opportunities um, to really become embodied and learn what it's like to be human through this practice. So tell me a little bit more about how yoga fits into your current professional career.
1: All right, actually, yeah, and it's interesting because a lot of people know me as the anatomy dissector and that is definitely a huge part of my world these days. Um, But I'm equally I spend as much time still teaching yoga and even at um, Pace University, which is my home campus where I am. I also teach as a visiting associate professor at Rush Medical in Chicago, Um, but on my home campus. I'm I, Although I teach anatomy there and I teach myofascial anatomy, I'm actually really known some point during the whole time people are there, they have me as their yoga teacher. Mm-hmm. At some, some time in their, their college career, I see almost everybody on campus, whether for the academic yoga class or for the non-credit class or community classes that I lead there too. And I still teach out there and also do a lot of privates. Um, also, you know, registered as the uh, under certification for yoga therapy. So I'm, I wear still a lot of hats in the yoga world. And like I said, it just has remained this place of home for me. So um, really powerful and uh, something I, I continue to, to do quite a lot. <laughs> I, yes,
0: you definitely have a very diverse yoga career, and I think that's one of the things that inspires me, is that it's not just yoga, but it's not just academics, or it's not just this, it's this whole experience, you know, which again, I think is just a beautiful metaphor for the practice, you know, it it is about the wholeness, right, of what what we're doing
1: not to be too cliche, but it really is all connected. And we know this in yoga. It, and I think too, yoga informs my anatomy work, anatomy informs my yoga work certainly. Um, so those connections are really there. You know, Whether we're talking about patterns and talking about samskaras or doing any of that sort of thing, they're there whether I'm looking at it with my eye as a dissector or looking at it um, from the viewpoint of yoga. Yep.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So
1: tell me a little bit more about dissecting and
0: how that has influenced your life and sort of integrates into this passion you have for embodied movement.
1: Great. Um, Yeah. And I'm so thrilled, as you mentioned, we're doing these labs. Um, Leslie Kaminoff, we've known each other for several decades now, I think since the early 90s as well, that we had bumped into each other's worlds, um, particularly in the yoga sphere. And I too, I came out of, like I said, I have this art background, as well as everything else, this high movement background and study. So when I fell into dissection work, And at the time, um, I think, as you know, your your listeners may know, I I taught for anatomy trains for about a decade (laughs) and also taught in their dissection labs for about a decade. And actually, Tom, initially, when I was interested in dissection, I know him from about two decades past, um, said, oh, go, you know, go out to Gil Headley and then go to these other more academic places. So I did that and and Gil and I remain greatly in touch all these many years later. And I went to many of his labs. Um, I did also do Mount Sinai, special courses at Mount Sinai in New York. Um, and then I fell into also teaching, you know, the Anami trains dissections and Todd Garcia's lab, um, taught there for a long time and then was part of projects like the Fashionet Plastination Project. So got to travel to Germany to be part of the team, the international team that dissected our first fascia-focused um, Plastinet that is out there. And so, and then I've, I've guessed it in other places as well, Rush Medical too, that's been such a joy. Um, So I think too, it was a combination of, and this is something important to me. I'm not having the words really readily right here, but I do like good conversation and I like speaking between people. Mm -hmm. So I like learning the medical language so I can speak with the medical professionals and translate what we do in yoga to that, or for us in movement we're very visual learners oftentimes and being able to reference languaging in a different way and how all these people can intersect with each other, um, I just find fascinating. So that's a little bit in there. And like I said, I think I had a natural ability in dissection partly because of my art background, um, partly because I fell into uh, following some really amazing dissectors myself, Carlos Decos another friend and colleague out there. And to be able to watch different people's techniques, but also decide how I want it to incorporate all of that work um, is really, really important. And you know, see that in lab as well. My, I like getting other people excited. You're, you have a natural talent and ability in there in dissection lab. And it's lovely to see that unfold when people start to learn that um, the scalpel can be that paintbrush and a way to see into the body and experience and connect things together in ways you might not have thought of before. That's exciting.
0: (laughs) It is exciting. And I think, you know, it's a, you have such a fresh perspective, Lori, and that's what I've, I've been really drawn to. And part of the reason, I mean, obviously Leslie's one of my teachers, but wanting to come back a second year was large in part because of your technique and the way that you weave art into it. And I, you know, trying to describe it to a listener feels like, you know, almost impossible, but when we're in lab, it really is, it's almost like a multimedia project, right? And we're, we're working with multiple different mediums to really like learn but also experience the beauty the natural beauty of the human form of nature of like that macrocosm being reflected in the microcosm and I really loved it so much that I just it's not really so much for me about about the, the the gifts of the donor as much as it is about being able to to witness and experience the universe unfolding right there before our very eyes. It's just magical. It is,
1: it is, and you put that so very well. It's, I think too, a lot of people have nervousness about going into lab, and this I might speak to some of your audience for, but very quickly, that fear is, you know, changed over by just wonder and, you know, the. The beautiful thing that you're seeing in front of you and the exploration and as you know I tend to liken it to a lot of times to rivers to tree branches to whatever because there is as you said such a reflection inner and outer world and how how cool is that how much does that make sense to us from the yoga world that you know these things um, do echo other places in life and I think that's just astounding and beautiful, and you know, part of mean doing a good dissection, which I always appreciate on many levels, just because then you have you know a, a more well-rounded experience too. But it's also it's respect for the body, and it's showing something too of unfurling this in a creative but profound way um, that you learn for it. it's honoring the gift of the donor in a very very deep way so it's it's yeah. kind of an important piece of it too.
0: <laughs> absolutely absolutely no it was it was really a remarkable experience and thrilled to go back this year. So I know you just released a book.
1: Tell us a little bit about the book. In fact I have a copy here go figure. Oh. Um, it's the myofascial system in form and movement and has this lovely little <laughs> swirling cover on it too. Um, And also this book, it has some pictures from our labs, but I chose um, not to hit too heavy handed on the dissection pictures for this particular book. Has a lot of pictures and images from nature, from different things echoing in, I don't know how much you can see close up there, but also from some of my contributors doing in movement things and everything else there as well so that it was meant to be, again, conversation sparker. You can flip through it and go, oh, that's an interesting picture. What what is that about? How do I dive into this a little bit deeper from there? Or you can see somebody's movement sequence and have an interest in a question from that point of view too. So it's meant to be um, kind of a very interactive book that you can choose to pick up at different times, sent down. You can read it cover to cover, um, but it's also fun to kind of jump around. And yeah. I had wanted, you know, I've been asked to do a book a while ago. The pand- pandemic came in between. There were a number of things that came in between. Um, the publisher, you know, Handspring is still the imprint, which was lovely. They kept it, but it got got um, bought by Singing Dragon, bigger publisher under Jessica Kingsley which has been great but there were so many changes as we all know these last few years and yet you know like i said throughout it um i could keep some of that vision of the imagery being an important piece of it too and the connection between all these things so yeah i hope people dive into it i'm really curious to hear more comments i'm starting to get some of the feedback from around the world which has been Been very grateful, very kind. Um, and just had my first book signing too at a local bookstore. That was just lovely. So awesome. um, It's kind of fun to see, it's terrifying, but kind of fun to see how these things spark for other people. Because I think all of us who are teachers, therapists, all of these things are many different levels. We want that. We want to connect with the world and have the world continue to pass that forwards in different ways. Um, So that's an interesting thing to do with a book as well. (laughs) Beautiful. Well,
0: I'm excited to to get my hands on it. I'm excited to see how we can leverage it to share some of this wisdom with the yoga therapists we train. Um, And and one of the things that I found so remarkable about LAB and about the, the dissection experience was really demystifying a lot of the myths about fascia and you know the the most profound thing to me i think and gil does i think a little demonstration on this um i've seen was just how the fascia is literally everywhere even within the fat of the
1: body like it's like everywhere there's not a place that you don't find it Yep, absolutely, and I worked on um, a decellularization project many years back um, to first do the hearts and then the kidneys to strip everything away except what was fascia, and this also sparked Gil to do some of the work that he did after that, um, which was great fun when, again, ideas start to spark along, but what was fascinating was things held shape, so it was really then this is part of book stuff too is just to see what gets shaped by what and fascia is one of those things that's everywhere and very much um, especially like a decellularized kidney doesn't look like much when you take it out of a watery environment but put it back in a watery environment the shape shape of the kidney is there the whole form is there yeah. That's fascinating and you know it's that's why the image of the orange gets used so much in dissection, because it really is like all those little white segments, we have those big broad segments in between the individual orange slices, but we also have those teeny tiny little teeny tiny circling around each little juice sac and everything else, very much the same way we're in our body in that connected form. So it's not a big leap to go from there and go, okay, now I get it. Why you tug on one part of the body fascially, something else is gonna respond and yeah. something always does. So, yeah.
0: What I, one of the things that I teach a lot on is, um, you know, postural conditioning, how emotional and intellectual holding is sort of um, imprinted in the body. And when we did this work last year in lab, that was so crystal clear to me, how we just like hold the, the fascia sort of like gets a little bit dehydrated and it's sort of like holds around this form. And, you know, it's once that the, the layers start to be pulled back, we start to realize, well, actually the mobility was always there. There was a holding that was occurring. And so, you know, you mentioned that you are a dance therapist. And I know you and I've actually talked about this on a personal level, and I have not forgotten. But you know, <laughs> what comes up for you around that, you know, as you're as we're working with our clients, whether it's a yoga therapist or a dance therapist or a, a cognitive behavioral therapist, this the way the body holds and how we can encourage it. To release and and encourage the 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 whole system to sort of let go. What comes up for you based on your experience in lab and like actually working with it as a as a medium and then working with it in an actual psychosocial situation? Yeah,
1: yeah. No, it's interesting because I'd worked um, specialized many years, particularly in trauma work. So when 9-11 happened, when September 11 happened many years ago, I was um, at the time had two little kids. (laughs) They're grown now, but I had two little ones, but I was pulled back into working actually dance movement therapy because I was one of the few people who had specialized with Holocaust survivors who had specialized in, you know, all sorts of deep traumas. I'd worked inner city, Baltimore and certain areas too that, Um, We worked with a lot of different aspects of trauma. So I was pulled in for that work as a dance movement therapist. And the image is in the book as well, um, that I published in an article with permission of the client who was anonymous. Um, But there was a client I had who had painted herself really pulled inwards her grief process Mm -hmm. and years later i mean when i was studying with anatomy trains and with tom you know that collapse of the superficial front line that thing and then starting to think about okay yeah more fast twitch fibers in the front of the body this internal collapse and what i named at the time with lava movement analysis and other different ideas um still really held up when I started to dive deeper into fascial anatomy and take a look at, okay, these connections start to make sense, you know, I mean, if it's used as um, a reference point, an idea box to start to unwind some of this work. So thinking about that too, and I mean, in dance movement therapy, we don't, of course, go from all the way here to okay back bends you know and that's going to solve everything that'd be too much too soon as we know um but to start to recognize where you start to make the body feel comfortable again where it starts to work in places of again finding ease and Mm -hmm. a sense of of again um you know comfort in a way that gets taken away sometimes and So, you know, that started to influence too and crisscross my work even more. So um, I pulled my new fascial knowledge into my therapeutic work, into my yoga work, into my yoga therapy work, into crisscrossing with different clients that I see. And it was very effective um, because it started to make sense on multiple levels you mentioned in the lab is absolutely true. And I really look at it this way that um, we, sometimes people don't like to talk about layers, but there are kind of these layers in the body, places that separate more easily than others. My brother's a geologist, so I'll give him a little heads of whatever here. Yay, geology too. Same thing, you know, of course, you take a soil sample, it's all connected, but there are places that separate For some reason and you know have these different little areas same as in the body and sometimes we unwind patterns we take that skin layer and reflect it and we go oh wow that was what was holding the tension sometimes it's on more the muscular layer that suddenly you see this like Mm -hmm. being inside just blossom outwards sometimes it's on a deeper layer so it's really interesting too, but you often, like you said, will find that range of motion comes back. And again, what we know too, when somebody dies immediately is that, um, yeah everybody expects them to stay stiff. There's a couple of mm-hmm. reasons for that. That stiffness doesn't last very long after the death process. And we use unembalmed tissue, partly because we do wanna see this range of motion um, that you see come back. And it's just like, if you've ever been under anesthesia, you might hear about too, that suddenly, you know, a shoulder that seemed restricted has this wide range of motion that is in there. So is it neurological? Is it held in, you know, where is it held in the tissues becomes really fascinating because often, and this gets back to yoga in so many ways, we have more capability than we realize or think we do. So we think we're stuck in here. We think the arm is stuck here, where it may have possibility that is restricted for some reason or another before getting there.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that takes us into sort of um, something that you mentioned in your questionnaire uh, as we prepared for our meeting today, Um, you know, just this idea of perfectionism and letting go of that a little bit. One of the things that comes up for me when I think about this is that when we are locked into this perception of perfectionism, that our awareness is very limited. And the more that we open and we we realize the perfection and imperfection uh, and in the experience, it just creates more capacity for awareness, which ultimately gives us capacity for compassion. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that in your perspective.
1: Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I oftentimes remind my yoga students to whether in the university level or other open classes, it's called yoga practice, because we're not expected to go into things, you know, doing hitting the pose perfectly every time or looking extraordinary. I really, I really admire the people that play so much in there that, you know, you fall out of the post, you want to fall safely, you want to learn how to do that. But if you don't sometimes take those risks, it's really challenging. And, you know, I have, I in my academic classes at the university, all my yoga students do final projects. And sometimes they do it on any things like yoga and social media or yoga, you know, in a Anatomy gets hit hard a lot of times too. But um, because especially now a lot of the people hitting university have always grown up with the constant social media, you know, image in their mind, or that I mean yoga looks perfect every time that you do it, because they see all these pictures on Instagram and everywhere else, where it's the best of, you know, as you know, it might be best of 50 or best of a hundred. You know that have been done to get that one little perfect image so it sets up a high standard sometimes that isn't realistic with life even when we think things um are going swimmingly life puts in lots of challenges we all have been there with this and you know it it's okay to i think we're it's really challenging for a lot of people especially young adults right now is they sometimes haven't had the um, permission to fail, mm-hmm. and everything is recorded <laughs> and everything is out there for you know everybody else to see. Um, you know, certainly when I grew up, there was a lot of things that nobody recorded. There was no record of. So if you had a fun time or did something that you know you might not want to talk about later in life there wasn't that record to go back to or that absolute perfectionism or also there was a lot more of if you didn't get to be number one that happens sometimes there's a lot of these days people give out trophies you know Easter I mean that's when my boys were little that they give out the trophies to everybody and it's like first of all the environmental waste was always like yeah Um, But it was like, it's okay not to win sometimes. Did you have fun? Was it a good game? That's much more exciting to learn good sportsmanship, to learn, you know, any of that than go, okay, I, you know, I didn't win. I wasn't, you know, whatever. Or or that I didn't have a loss. Mm We all have losses. That gets back to the lab. People are really hit with the fact, you know, in our culture, we don't see death and dying up close and personal a lot, um, but it's actually a lot of people find the experience profound in a lot of ways because then you can start to cope with some of these feelings.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I think that there's just so much beauty in, in that sentiment and like really, going back even to the sutras, like part of the practice is learning to be with what arises as it arises, without needing to change anything and still maintaining some sense of equanimity in the experience. My absolute favorite stories Leslie tells is uh, the enlightenment of the dumpster, you know, it's like, can you just be in equanimity, even if that sound is really annoying? And and that to me is the practice and so you know i it, again just like you said it's all inter interconnected well, I just am so grateful, Lori, that you took the time to be with us today. Uh, I just want to give your book a shout out, The Myofascial System in Form and Movement um, by Lori Nemitz and uh, check that out. Definitely, whether you are you know, just getting started in yoga or whether this has been your lifelong passion and your career. I believe that Lori has a perspective to offer that is fresh and very metaphoric and gives us a new lens to look at the body. And um, for that, Lori, I'm just very grateful. Uh, you are one of my teachers now as well. And I'm just so thrilled to be able to share this space with you.
1: Oh, Thank you so much. And we just I'm so looking forward to seeing you again and seeing you in lab and your students, the students. The community that you've built is phenomenal. And just give a shout out to you too. I think this is always so great. Part of my thrill is that along the way, I get to meet amazing people like yourself and it just, yeah, it enriches life. So I actually encourage everybody to get out there and plug in more wherever yeah. you can. Yeah, absolutely. Believe it or not, Dissection Lab is one of those places you actually, I think, meet people um, meet up with people, even if your community already know, in a very lively way. It's a very profound experience about life. And we, as you know, too, take that into movement practice yes. as part of the lab. So um, it's very much about all of that. <laughs> yes,
0: oh, I'm so excited. Well, thanks again, Lori, for being here. Y'all check out Lori's book, The Myofascial System and Form and Movement. And Lori, I'm gonna see you in a couple months.
1: I will, yay, I'm so excited. <laughs> Thank Take you so care. much. Take yeah. care.
0: All right, let me find out how to stop the recording. There we go, stopping. Don't forget to check out Lori's new book, The Myofascial System in Form and Movement. If you're interested in getting to know a little bit more about Lori, check out her website, www.wellnessbridge.com.